Welcome to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibell. Literary Speaking is the author's guide to writing and publishing, sharing tips and tricks for aspiring authors. Crystal Lee's expert guests will bring you the latest information on how to write and publish your book into being. Are you ready to tell your story? Here's your host. Welcome to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibel, and today we're talking to Julie Barton, author of Dog Medicine, How My Dog Saved Me From Myself. At 22, Julie suffered from a debilitating depression, collapsing one evening on her kitchen floor and staying there for two days. She moved home and left the life she had made for herself in Manhattan behind and was diagnosed with a major clinical depression. She sought solace in the love and comfort of a puppy named Bunker, and together they learned how to save and love each other. Julie, welcome to the show. Hi, Crystal. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. So, Julie, your memoir sort of details the debilitating symptoms of depression that I feel like are often overlooked. I think for me as someone who struggles with depression, it really sort of gives this full spectrum of you know what it's like to to deal with the physical pain and the unexplainable exhaustion. It's a great story for anyone who sort of deals directly or indirectly with depression to understand how it manifests. Yeah. Well, I think uh one of the most important things I wanted to communicate was that, you know, you might have looked at me and thought I was just being lazy. I was lying on the couch all the time. I was, you know, not mm-hmm. doing anything. I'd quit my job, but really it was a turmoil. It was such turmoil inside my mind. Um, and I wanted, it was very important to me that I communicate what that was like. Um, because it's so many people are going through it and we don't have to feel shame when we talk about it. And it's a treatable disease. Um, and so I really was trying to remember and, you know, to know this is this is not something that, you know, because I got a dog and because I, I got treatment, I suddenly never felt depressed again in my life. That's most certainly not the case. Um, but I really wanted it to be a clear portrayal of this is what depression feels like. And I've heard from people mm-hmm. who have family members who suffer from depression and they have said I think I finally understand it a little bit which is a huge um, compliment for me to hear that absolutely because I think you know for for people that suffer from it the the common thing they hear is you know just get out just get out of bed you know just get out of bed and go outside and that can you know you detailed this one scene where your dad literally picks you up and carries you outside Mm -hmm. and he has to help you stand up and walk just simply down the driveway is a, is a really, feels like a really big task. And, Mm -hmm. and that's really quite common with depression, but for people on the outside, they don't really see this. So I, I think it was just really wonderful how you showed all these aspects. And I think it really does bring a huge understanding to people. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's not, you know, it's not the easiest thing to write about or read about, but I think it is important um, just to see a little bit of what it's like, because it's the kind of thing. It's not like it's not a dis- it's not a disease you can see. You know, there's no mm-hmm. X-ray, there's no MRI, there's no rash, <laughs> but it's very very real. And um, and so the more we can communicate about what it's like, the better off we're going to be. Mm-hmm. 
in the book, you sort of, you really wrote really honestly about your family dynamic, especially with your brother, who you confront at one point about how he bullied you and the effects it had on your psyche. I think, you know, for all memoirists, we feel we feel like we're afraid of that outcome of writing our truth, and especially when we include a family member with, you know, the sensitivity of the topic. Did you feel like writing this really healed the past for you and brought some realizations to light? Well, yeah, but it was a long and circuitous journey to get to that place because, mm-hmm. you know, for a long time I just thought, well, I don't know what's going to happen with this book or if it's going to become a book, but I want to write this so that I have it, so that my kids have it. Um, and writing about some of the scenes with my brother was really challenging. Um, not because of um, how, you know, me remembering it, because I'd had to live with it my whole life, you know, and I I knew mm-hmm. what had happened and I knew how it felt. Nobody else did. Um, the hard part was thinking, how are my parents going to feel? How's my brother going to feel? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I am, I'm just extraordinarily lucky and loved because as difficult as it was, um, for my parents to read it, for my brother to read it, um, they, they gave me their blessing and they said, wow. You know, this happened, and we're sorry. And, you know, and I said, well, you know, I don't even need a sorry. I think it's just important that we share that this was what was happening with us. And my brother in particular, you know, he was the one where I thought, if anybody's going to say you can't do this, it's going to be him. Um, And so I gave him a copy of the book well before it was published as probably six months before it was going to be coming out or maybe even longer and he said I don't want to read it I don't want to read about how awful I was um and Mm -hmm. I said well I understand that and but do I have your permission to do this and he said yeah sure fine and I went okay what does that mean (laughs) um And so then we got the galleys and I sent him one and I didn't hear anything and then one day um he posted on Instagram a picture of me and it said, I just finished my sister's book and it's really, really, really good. I'm so proud of you. Um, Except he made me cry in the airport because he read it in the airport. Um, And it was this moment, I just, it was like I fell back in my chair with gratitude that, you know, we've come so far. I mean, we've had to have a lot of really difficult conversations but I never went into them saying, you did this to me, and I'm going to write about how awful you were ever. You know, I mean, when you write memoir, you really have to have a 360 view. What was this life like for the, somebody who wronged you? Why did they do it? What was happening for them? You know, and, and what I learned with my brother was, you know, he was a child when he was doing this. Mm-hmm. He was 11, 12, 13 years old. You know, maybe 17 at some points, but, you know, even then you're still, your brain isn't fully developed and you're young. Um, and he was hurting, you know, and that's what, that's why a lot of this happened. And, you know, that for me to realize that and realize that what happened between us had nothing to do with me, you know, that he was hurting and it didn't, it wasn't because I was unlikable 
which, you know, I had to learn to forgive myself for believing that, you know, because that was the wrong conclusion for me to make, that because he was mean to me, <laughs> that I was unlikable. Um, Absolutely. And so once I once I was able to get there and have compassion for everybody, myself included, um, things really started to open up. And I wrote about it in a different way. Um, then, you know, there were some scenes I wrote at the beginning that, you know, were, were blaming. And when mm-hmm. you write a scene that's blaming, the reader immediately does not trust you anymore as the author because they think, well, what's your agenda? You know, and Absolutely. so you, you have to... You have to write it from a perspective of here's the situation, here's what I took away at the time, and here's what maybe I didn't know. I didn't know that, that you know, something terrible had happened for the person who was doing something, you know, that made me feel bad. Um, mm-hmm. And so that is healing. It really is healing to, to realize that, um, you know, what what somebody was doing to you that hurt you didn't have anything to do with you absolutely i think there's you know that great saying it's never it's never about you it's not personal and i just loved the way that you pieced it together in a way that was understanding of why your brother was so angry and hurtful towards you and how that sort of relationship healed uh We'll be right back. You're listening to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibble, and today we're talking with Julie Barton about her memoir, Dog Medicine, How My Dog Saved Me From Myself. When we come back from the break, we'll discuss more about Julie's writing process, querying agents, and how her book sold out in pre-sales before it even debuted on Amazon. Tweet with us on Twitter at WriterCrystal with the hashtag Dog Medicine. We'll be right back. Your story is begging to be told, but do you know where to start? Crystal Lee Quibell is dedicated to helping you achieve your book publishing dreams. Go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com, and sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter today. Welcome back to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Kleibel, and we're continuing our conversation today with Julie Barton, author of the memoir, Dog Medicine, How My Dog Saved Me From Myself. Julie, how did you end up meeting Bunker, the dog that you write about in the book who helped save you, and bring it, how did you bring him home and, and meet? Um, well, <clears throat> I'd been home for about... I don't know, a couple months, and I had yet to say I think something might help me. I was very, um, there was no hope as far as I could see, and my parents knew that I felt that way. But I said to my mom one day, I think I want to get a puppy. And she said, okay. And she looked in the classifieds, because this was 1996, um, and she found two litters um, nearby, uh, golden retrievers because I'd done a little bit of research and I knew I wanted a golden. We went to a one family farm um, that had a litter, and I just didn't feel a connection with anybody, any of them. So I went. To, we went to the next farm that was a little bit further out, and we drove up. and I got out of the car, and I was standing there, and the dogs were all running free, and this one little red puppy walked up to me and just sat down right in front of my feet, about four inches from my toes, and looked up at me like, you're here. I've been waiting for you. <laughs> um, and I picked him up, and he licked my nose, and that was it. It was like, if there's love at first sight with a dog, that was it. Um, <laughs> and 
I said, you know, this is the one, this is the one I want. And there was a little bit of a, oh, I don't know if that one's still available. And I was like, okay, well, then I'm going to steal him. <laughs> um, but then they said, oh, yeah, he's available. You can have him. So we took him home, and he fell sound asleep in my lap. And just having him fall asleep on me, trust me that I was going to hold him, um, was this incredible gift. And it was a calming um, it had a calming effect on me. I was, I went, okay. Of course, then I went, what am I doing? I'm, I don't have a job. I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't, you know, why am I adopting a puppy? But every time I would think that, I would pet him and it would just sort of go, it's going to be okay. We're all going to be okay. Um, and that was the beginning of our journey together. I love that. So what really inspired you to write this book? Well, well, him, you know, I think there have been, there's a few things that I know are are true in my life um, that are the truest things that I know. And, and the truest thing that I know is that my connection to this dog um, was remarkable, it was life-saving, um, was the truth, like, true love it was I needed him the way that I needed food and water um and I thought I can never tell anybody how much I love him and how dependent I am on him and how crazy I get when you know I'm worried about him or something might be wrong or you know I might have to be away from him for too long um I thought I can't ever tell anybody about this when I when he was still with us and then after he died um you know that was a struggle to get mm-hmm. to get along and i've been writing for years and i wrote a novel that sort of has similar storyline and i realized you know what i need to tell this story because i'm afraid to tell it that might be a clue <laughs> that it's what, I need to, it's what i need to tell um and it's it wasn't hard once i once i realized this is the story i need to tell because because it's the truest thing I know, and it's it's easy to write from a place where you have that much um, sure-footedness and clarity. Um, he died in 2007, and I can still feel um, very clearly and very deeply, and I will my whole life, um, how healing he was for me and how connected I felt to him. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't be uh, lying if I said I have a little shrine, <laughs> a little blanket <laughs> shrine right next to my desk. <laughs> well, he was such a big part of your healing, and he was just so, it, it, even through the writing, you could feel the love and, and sweetness uh, about his character. So it was yeah. just really beautiful. Yeah, you know, yeah, he was very connected to me. It was really remarkable. I think there is, there's always that, special relationship between some, you know, for anyone who has a pet and, you know, when they pass, people say, you know, it really is like some, it's a part of you, your family. So you really yeah. do, you know, yep. I so, I mean, I think one of the things I found so fascinating about your book journey was that when I went to buy your book, the day it came out, it was sold out. <laughs> So it actually was sold out in pre-sales. How did that happen? Well, you know, 
um, we printed about 2,500 thinking we were being ambitious because this is, I went with a very small publisher and we didn't have, um, you know, huge expectations. We just thought this is going to be a great story and we're advocating for mental health. And um, I don't really know how it happened, but it happened. The day that, you know, I woke up to the book launch day and I was so excited. I went on Amazon and it said temporarily out of stock and I, I thought, <laughs> something must have happened like what what happened why does it say that and and we had sold them all um and it was remarkable uh i don't really know how it happened i think part of it was a couple of blog posts on various um sites that have a lot of visitors where people saw it and i also think that there's some truth here you know i'm not the mm-hmm. only one which was a beautiful thing for me to find out there's so many people um, you know, from war veterans to, you know, young, depressed 20-somethings like myself who um, their dogs saved them. And without that love and connection and constancy, they would not be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that's part of it. And the rest is, is I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. I think there's a lot of <laughs> lovers out there. Well, it's fantastic because now it's in. They did a second and third printing. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, we're in our third printing. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And you even you Cheryl Strayed praised the book on social media, which must have been a wonderful surprise. Yes. Um, have Have you really found the writer community supportive? You even have blurbs from authors like Pam Houston in your book as well. Yeah, you know the writing community has been remarkably supportive. Um, especially women writers, have gone out of their way to give me support. You know, Laura Munson, who wrote um, This Is Not the Story You Think It Is, mm-hmm. um, you know, called, or when I when I asked her out of the blue for a blurb, thinking there's no way she's going to respond, did respond, <laughs> and said, call me, because somebody gave me some great advice before my first book was published, and um, you know, I want to pay it forward. And I was like, okay. So we, I called her and we had this, you know, over an hour long conversation, a wonderful conversation about writing and about publishing. And she gave me all kinds of good, you know, tips. And, you know, that's that's been the most remarkable part is that the, it's all these writing people helping each other and, and giving each other names of, you know, oh, go talk to this person or, oh, do this and, you know, uh, try this website, and it's it's been wonderful. So, and that's actually very sustaining when you're a writer alone in your office, ninety five percent of the time. <laughs> um, just to know that there are other people out there, and to picture them at their desks, and you know, and then also, um, you know, I did my MFA, and there are two friends that I have from that MFA who are my sisters, you know, my writing sisters, and my I'm having a breakdown, sisters, and, you know, oh, my gosh, this just happened, this great thing just happened, or, oh, this terrible thing just happened. And we we call each other and and confide in each other um, very deeply. And so that's been an incredible um, gift for me to have that kind of connection with them. That's wonderful. Did you traditionally query the book traditionally and and send queries out to agents? How how did you go about getting the book published? I started that way. I started 
sending out letters to agents and I got um I got I only sent it to about maybe 15 agents and I would either not hear back or I would get one guy wrote back this is not for me that was it <laughs> um, <laughs> another person wrote back and said this is a this is a nice story but it would be better if the dog was a pit bull because goldens are so loving and of course they would be like this another person wrote back and said I love the story. She asked for the manuscript, and then after several months, she wrote back and said, I thought it would be more about the dog. And (laughs) so I was like, oh, gosh, you know, this just doesn't feel good. didn't feel Mm -hmm. like I was getting – I wasn't really – I don't know. It just felt like I was sort of throwing it out into the the, the ether and hoping it would hook – and then um, a friend of mine had a friend of hers that she used to work with who had started a publishing company um, with the – so it was you know sort of a niche publishing company where they were publishing books about mental health and about you know survival and um, just talking about having survived you know depression or having somebody mm-hmm. in your family commit suicide or having um there's you know a book about resilience that he's published and so um i sent it to him and uh you know he read it and he loved it and he said i think we should work together and i was like i don't know <laughs> and he's like well, <laughs> you know and then it was great it was a great um experience he was really you know, my friends who've published with big houses said, you know, you don't get this kind of individual attention that he's giving you, and you also don't get the kind of freedom that he's giving you. Um, you know, he let me, I, I wrote in the contract that I wanted control of the book cover, and he gave me that. Um, and he, you know, pretty much let me call all of the final editorial shots. Um, so that was really, that was a good experience. But you know, there's 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 upsides and downsides to going with a small publisher. The upsides are the things I just mentioned, and the downsides are, um, you know, there's often not enough money to do distribution and to do, um, you know, the kind of marketing that the big houses do. And so mm-hmm. you just have to decide: is that something you're willing to forego? And it might be that it is because you want an experience that's going to be. Um, Stress free ish. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. And I think Think Piece Publishing is the company that you went with, and they've been extremely supportive, you know, tweeting and social media, and just it's really wonderful to see that with the smaller publishing houses tend to have more of that one on one attention. Yeah, it's absolutely true. You won't get that kind of attention at a big house, I don't think. Um, I, I don't know, but um, I don't think that they have. Um, that kind of those resources, but maybe they do. I don't know, but I I just know that it was nice for me to know the person that had done, um, you know, that was doing all this work with me, and we developed a really wonderful relationship where um, we worked together, and you know, it was he was an advocate for me, so it was mm-hmm. great. What do you think the best piece of writing advice you've ever received and would want to share with other aspiring authors that are listening? Um, Best writing advice would be keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Keep going and um, write the truest thing you know. 
And, um, you know, there, nobody can tell your story the way you can, right? Um, and we think, well, maybe I should write something like, you know, something like Wild or something like Eat, Pray, Love or something like, you know. No, nope. <laughs> you need to write your story from the most, you know, deep original place that you that you have. And that's when it will become um, successful, when you go to the truest place inside of you. Um, and, you know, I think also writing advice would be there's more than one way to get your book out in the world. And it doesn't have to be traditional publishing. And um, it doesn't, you know, there's not... There's not one way to do it, um, but also the other thing I would say is edit, 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 edit. <laughs> I've seen a lot of manuscripts that people think are done, and they're not quite done. They're not quite ready. Um, spend as much time as you can. If you feel like it might not belong, you need to take it out, <laughs> Even as painful as that may be, um, you know, and and give it to trusted readers and heed their advice um, unless it feels like they're really, really off, in which case follow your instincts. But if more than one person is telling you, I don't think this section works, you need to look at it again. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you have to throw it away forever because you know, I have a file on my computer that's larger than the book that says, you know, deleted scenes, but I didn't actually delete them. I just put them in a different file. Yeah. Which, which well, you felt could a use li- them later. I could use them later, and I you know, didn't feel like I was deleting it. It felt like, all right, well, I'm moving this over there for now. Um, and I think that's a little bit less difficult for us because you know we do love what we what we write, and a lot of the time, things that we that we love turns out they don't quite belong, which is a yeah. hard. It's a hard lesson for writers. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Julie. You've had so much wonderful advice, and the story was just absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much, Crystal Lee. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Julie Barton can be found online at byjuliebarton.com. That's byjuliebarton.com. Please do make sure you order your copy and leave a review on Amazon and Goodreads. Want to win a free signed copy of Dog Medicine, How My Dog Saved Me From Myself? Visit my website, crystalleequibble.com, and sign up for my newsletter to receive the bonus Q&A material after the show and enter to win. Join us next time on Literary Speaking for more tips and tricks on how to get your work published as we speak with Judy Batelion, author of the memoir White Walls. Join me on Twitter at WriterCrystal with the hashtag Literary Speaking and keep the conversation going after the show. Thank you for listening and have a beautiful day. Thank you for listening to Literary Speaking with your host, Crystal Lee Quibell. To start discovering how you can begin telling your story, go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com. And sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter. Join us again next week for more advice from your favorite authors and publishing professionals.